Welcome to the Who is God podcast. I am Thaddeus Funk, and this is my journey as I continue to try and understand a little bit more about who God is by seeing the evidence of his interactions in the lives of those around me. Uh, one of those around me today is John, and am I saying this right, Degner? Okay, good. Um, John and I met, when did we meet? About a year and a half, two years ago? Yeah, probably two years ago. Two years ago. I was, uh, you're involved in Every Man a Warrior. Um, and I was part of a small group that we were looking for a new study to do, um, and we looked very intently at the Every Man a Warrior. Um, and I don't remember what decision we made. Um, a couple of the guys in our group had done it before um, and spoke very highly of it, but we ended up making a little different decision. But that was what initially brought us together um, and then happened to cross paths again this last week as if by accident. Um, and, uh, I asked you to come on the show and you've, you've graced us with your presence. So welcome. Thank you. On the topic of who is God, of course, everybody has a natural growth in that as they go through life. I did too. I had probably three or four different levels of realizing who is God. And of course, I'm still at a learning point. Right. But childhood is the first part. And everyone has a different one. I've been working with men ever since 1993 through uh, CBMC, Christian Businessmen's Connection. So i uh, worked with over 120 men, and there were probably 120 different variants of who God is, depending on where they were in life. So, right. Um, I think it's important to start with, you know, my youth. I was very lucky. Uh, Mom was the choir director, Aunt Bunny was the organist, Dad was elder of the church more than not. We were in a mainline denominational uh, Christian church, uh, and I loved the concept of God and and a relationship with Him. Uh, Dad had devotions every night after supper, and we were at church every Wednesday night. Uh, mm. So what I was lo- it? What was it that you loved about that? Oh, the the concept of love, really, because we had a very loving family. We were. We sang a lot We, because of mom's background. Dad took us into parts of scripture that were stories that thrilled me. And it was just fun to to be caught up in the concept of God the creator. Um, went through uh, youth, you know, the picture underneath the, the senior picture in, in the uh, yearbook was most likely to be pastor and went to a Christian college and Stepped into the world and spent 17 years there. <laughs> 17 years. And yeah. what was that like? Um, freedom from the world's perspective. Do what makes your feelings good. You know, the natural concept that our enemy takes us through is uh, do what makes your senses feel good. And I did. Um, and so I was successful. I mean, it was almost, almost like uh, the Joseph stories, only I did not remain uh, centered on Christ. Um, whatever happened to Joseph, of course, it said that God was in the uh, was giving him grace. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, everyone around him could tell. Right. Everyone around me could tell that I was a good person, but not everyone could tell I was a Christian. So it was after I had my own business. I went into hotel management, and and that was even more worldly. Uh, and then started my own business. And it was at the collapse of that business um, and my marriage uh, that I 
went to him and cried out to him one night for seven hours. And uh, there was a lot of things that helped, that led up to it. But one of the things that was very effective was a, a couple of men that came alongside of me on a regular basis. Men that didn't have to. Men that they didn't have any ulterior motive than to to spend time with me. And so it's this a this is a point as as I, I want to make sure I understand the story. Okay. Um, life is going along fairly well, successful. Success is now decided to hide its face. Things are coming down. You said business? Well, I had what was called fear of success, and that's another story. But Mm -hmm. uh, God had to gradually take me out of that based on the truths of Scripture because I believed a lot of things to be true that were not true. Right. Um, And it was actually fear of success. I sabotaged my first three careers because I was becoming successful. Um, Right. Uh, so it led up to the point where um, I'm down as about as low as I could go. Um, and I knew he was there, or at least right. I hoped he was there. Sure. Uh, and I'm not going to argue with anybody that I had not accepted Christ uh, during that wonderful childhood. But something happened that night. Um, I asked him to be Lord of my life. And that was my first start in really finding out who God was. Uh, before that, I think it was what I got, hoped God was. Sure, um, sure. But from that point on, it was he was Lord of my life. Um, and I had to learn how to take my box. I had put God into a box, one that I could understand, one that I could use for my benefit or to make me feel good. And from that moment on, it was uh, October, end of October in eighty seven. 88, uh, that that all happened. So this was up to this point. Life had been, It sounds like life was pretty good as a kid. Yeah, it was. Really and, um, you know, being a good person gets you quite a ways in life. Yeah, I was successful in hotel management, and, and it, I got really full of myself. And <laughs> sure. That success will do that, and, yeah. and even without it. it but it, so what it sounds like what you're saying was for you, it was more what God could do for you. Almost like he was. Uh, I think I've heard the phrase a. Um, a, a, a it was almost that machine. I expected him to, because I loved him, uh, in my small box love. Right. Um, he hadn't yet blown me out of the water to help me realize who he really was. <laughs> um, that he that doesn't. Was, he doesn't belong in a box. No, not at all. And he doesn't. He isn't ruled over. He isn't controlled. He isn't. Right. Matter of fact, I learned a lot of things over the next few years. Uh, I didn't go into helping other men like these two men that stepped into my life. They meant a lot to me. They were the ones that actually guided me to the to the fact that the truth is what uh, broadens your perspective of God. I mean, He mm-hmm. is true. Um, so, did they step in before everything was crumbling, or as, or before? Before, yeah. They started guiding me into things like Ogmandino and Zig Ziglar and, mm-hmm. and Dale Carnegie and some of the things that were positive thinking books, before they started guiding me into the truth. But basically, the relationship with them, I could tell they cared about me. I could tell that they loved me. And they really had no reason for it. They were customers of mine. Hmm. Um, so that meant a lot to me. From that point on, I went into a totally different career, moved to a different part of the country. And that was all God, too. Um, but when you say that, that was all God, what what do you mean by that? That night, when I asked him to be Lord in my life, I I, I said, I don't care what you want me to do, uh, I will do. Um, and the very next morning, he'd taken away two of my biggest 
vices and gave me the picture of how I was going to exit my business and basically rely on him. Mm. Um, so going from a using God to to meet your purposes to surrender everything, it was everything. to him, and now instead of making God live to your purposes, you're now living for his purposes? That's what I grew to understand. At the time, I didn't know. I just knew that I had given up on my rule. Uh, when I woke up the next morning, I was refreshed. I didn't understand that. Uh, hmm. Within a week and a half, he guided me out of my corporation without major, major issues. Uh, and we decided to take a vacation to see my brother in in Denver area. And during that time... Um, he had already arranged for for me to take an interview with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and uh, and that worked out. And then, well, in order to do that, we had to. I was assigned to Nebraska, which means moving to Nebraska. And, um, you didn't grow up in Nebraska. No, I grew up in South Dakota. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. We we just got a sidetrack here because I'm a South Dakota boy. I didn't realize. Oh yeah. So whereabouts? Salem, South Dakota. Okay. All right. Right, right between Sioux Falls and Mitchell. Yep. Yep. Degner I, Chevrolet. Oh, that, okay, you're ringing old, old bells yeah. in my memory. I had a lot of family south of there around uh, around the Delmont Parkston. Sure, Parkston. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right, and so so we're both South Dakota boys that are now Nebraska yep. Yep. residents. My hotel management took me to Iowa and to Kansas and to Illinois, right. and, um, and then I started my business back in Iowa. So you're back in Nebraska working yep. for the chamber. During that time, I realized that a lot of the corporate leaders that were my members were, uh, they were Christian advocates. Uh, you could tell by what was on their wall and, and a lot of the conversation they had, but they were very, uh, they had no accountability. They had very few people they trusted. They, they didn't have uh, Christian advisors. They were very skeptical of sharing uh, business. I was a man in the white hat. I was coming to help them get their testimonies on political issues that were affecting them and their bottom line. So they liked talking. It was kind of like a bartender when you, you can open up to him. But yeah. So I started getting all these business owners to open up to me, and there was a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. I had two of my members commit suicide within a week's time here in Lincoln. Hmm. Uh, Ninety-three. Um, so that's when I met CBMC. Uh, Mark. Can we go back a little bit? Sure. Um, you said Christian advocate. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Uh, the truth of Scripture is how you to run your business. Uh, and, and the answers to all your questions are in Scripture. But Scripture isn't something you naturally absorb by listening to sermons or by listening to uh, even some radio programs. Uh, it comes through a personal relationship with Christ Jesus and a, and a study of his word. And and the busyness of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things comes in and chokes out the world. Uh, and a lot of these business owners, I think, were really had accepted Christ at some time as a Lord and Savior, but the word had been choked from them. Mm. And they were not able to live that. Well, in order to get into the word and really develop a new habit of absorbing it, it really takes a relationship with another person. I call it true discipleship. Sure. And very few of them had that. They They didn't really... They, they had been hurt many times. And yeah. So they didn't have boards of directors that were Christian. They didn't have 
accountability partners that were Christian, the majority. That's case study. But um, And CBMC really helped. My first thought was that when Mark McDowell was the head of HR, he was a pastor who would now work for the chamber, but he was he was my supervisor. And he said, I was going to quit because <laughs> guys were committing suicide. Um, so he said, go look up CBMC. So I did. Mm-hmm. And my idea was that they were going to solve the problem. I had the business owners who were really struggling, and right. I would just introduce them to Dean Perrick with CBMC and his men, and they would meet with them and take care of the problems, and I could go on my merry way. But that's not how it works. Mm, you can't um, just put the two pieces together and no, the relationships it out. were with me. Uh, the material was uh, you could use the material as as any leader should just follow the leader's guide. And so Dean said, "Well, here's the material. You've got the relationship. You, I'll be right here with you to help you out." But so that was my first example. Now back to who is God. Um, the first time I did it was with a real close friend of mine. I'd, he'd been my member for a while. I want to back up here a second because mm-hmm. it just dawned on me. You, in your heart, watched guys you knew, and it sounds like had built relationships with, you cared about them, yeah. who had taken their own lives, yeah. deeply impacted emotionally at that moment, and God had placed a man in your life who was able to point exactly where you needed to go. Yeah. Even though it wasn't what you thought it was, again, because this is how God works, He doesn't. Uh, we we don't understand Him, but He puts us in places where He's already aligned things yeah. for His will. And so here's this man that's able to say, "Go check out this organization, the CBMC," um, and that starts to open up the door for you. Did you start to find some some healing from the pain in that? Well, the biggest. Um the person that has the most advantage in a discipleship relationship is the person that God uses as the vehicle to help another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew to love that. Right. Uh, most of them are one-on-one. So you really get to know after, I would give them two hours a week for about two years. So you really get to know a person in two hours a week after two years. Yeah. Um, and I saw a lot of them accept a lot of what the truth of Scripture was. But the, the big thing is that God was using me as the method. Every time they would meet and and I would have something downloaded from him to help this other person, it wasn't me, it was him. Hmm. So this box that I had got in grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. Uh, the reality of his presence grew. Uh, uh, I, had, I went through a leadership coaching, which was a CBMC training, mm-hmm. the art of effective listening without having a, an agenda. Basically, it's having a quiet time with God while you're listening to someone else. <laughs> That's perfectly uh, put. So, having a effective listening is having a quiet time with God, yeah, with with no agenda. Um, no agenda. He br- he brings you the questions you're supposed to ask next. Mm. And 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 what what happening? Well, you realize it wasn't you, right? <laughs> it was him. So he's constantly present with you, uh, giving you what you need to help that other person. You you could have a the big saying is you could have a a, a conference with a brain surgeon Hmm. and actually help him be a better brain surgeon because you're not asking the questions. God's asking the questions. The answers are him, him, and you're just helping him discover his answers based on the questions that God's giving you to give to him. So, and I would start using that within my CBMC. 
this meeting. So this is a very different God than who you grew up with. Very much so. The God, the God I grew up with was the loving God that it was always good to talk about and to realize that He's here and to and to be the Lamb that He takes to pasture and and waters. But uh, it's not a personal relationship. I didn't have that really. My mom would be very upset because she did. So did my dad. Uh, and I don't know who was to blame. My sister and my younger brother both had the same experience that we never had a personal relationship. Um, and that's not probably for lack of trying as a kid or lack of, but just I sometimes think we don't recognize God or see him for who he is yeah. until we recognize our need for him. Well, that's a good statement. I would agree with that totally. And so all of those years were, well, while you didn't have a relationship with God, he still had a relationship with you. Definitely. And was still working in your life to bring you to the point where when you did at that moment surrender, seemingly in the in the midst of worldly failure, you now were ready to open up and have that deeper relationship with God because you recognized your need. Well said. Now, every year you get to a point at the end of the year where you realize you didn't know what you didn't know. Mm. So every year has been a growth, and it's been phenomenal growth year after year after year, and I'm probably only 25% there. Right, <laughs> right. Um, the strive to be holy is not anything you do. It's what he does through you. Right. You have to be willing to surrender, mm -hmm. submit your will to his. And a lot of people say that's such a negative thing, but it's not because the end result is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, generous, right? faithful, self-control, an amazing life of surrender. I mean, I couldn't have had a better life, and it gets better every year, hmm. um, which brings us back to why, what, what's he doing. Um, it was over a given period of time that, that Dean died, um, and I was now a staff director for CBMC, and my board of directors said, John doesn't have a mentor anymore. I don't know if they saw th things in my life that I needed a mentor. So one of my staff uh, introduced me to a navigator by the name of Lonnie Berger. Mm. Uh, and Lonnie didn't want to meet with me because I was older than he was. So this uh, board member said, well, I don't think I'm going to give to your ministry anymore then if you don't meet with John. Uh, so Lonnie said, well, okay, I'll give him one time. So he met with me one day and both of us realized that it was God-ordained. And he poured three hours a week into my life from 97, 98, 99, 2000, or 07, 08, 09, 2010, right. 2011, all the way till he moved to North Carolina. But uh, he started writing Every Man a Warrior in 2009. Uh, we started testing it in 2010. Um, I tried it with five of my business owners. Mm -hmm. I was meeting with 15 a week, three, three a day, five days a week. So I asked five of them, would you like to try to go through the test cycle with every mental warrior? Um, and they all said yes, and we did. Um, and I had eight, 80%. Um, I had four out of five that had major heart change. I mean, mm. to the point where they, their wives would say, something's happened to my husband. So I said, wow, I've never had this before. Sure. Uh, normal ministries, you have somewhere around a 10, 15% heart change. 
because guys are still distracted by the busyness of life, the deceitful and swell, the desire for other things. So they said, well, the second year, I'm going to try it with 10. So we did mostly two groups of five, and we had 80% heart change. And so as you're starting to see the lives of men, their hearts change, was, was there change in you as well? Oh, for sure. The biggest change is in me. What they're seeing answers to questions. They're seeing uh, habits maybe be released because the Word of God will will supplant what the world does. Matter of fact, it's the only antidote to what right. the world's doing. So they would see different things happen to them, answers to questions, uh, problems that came to have solutions. I was seeing my life being used to affect eight men. Right. I mean, there's nothing that grows faith more than seeing God work through you. And you, and men- him, so. and, and you mentioned a moment ago about um, sitting with a man and being present with, with Christ at that moment and having the Spirit give you the questions yeah. to ask. That, what is that, what is that like? Can you describe that for someone who's maybe never? It's a little scary at first because you can't have an agenda. And I remember, matter of fact, I still have guys know me well. They they know there's still times when I'm I want to be in control. Mm-hmm. So, but I, but there's no response. There's no results then. So, uh, it's scary at first because you don't have an agenda, and men want to have an agenda. What am I going to say next? I have to look good. What if I what if I make a mistake? Um, with with this concept. You can't have an agenda because then he's not in power. Uh, you have to say, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say? I'm listening to his body language, watching his body language, listening to his intonation, what's coming out of his heart, and I'm saying, what am I supposed to say next? And it comes. And you say it. And it wasn't from you. I mean, it's just an amazing concept. Kind of a weird idea, like the words you're speaking aren't coming from your thoughts. Uh, no, not at all. And it can't, can't be. Now, I do that because I can't, I'm, st- I'm a sinful man. Right. Uh, but there's no results then. The, it, he doesn't get what he needs. Uh, the answers aren't there. There isn't any um, amazing revelation. He doesn't walk away saying, boy, that was, that was time well spent. But I will shake myself out of it and get back into the groove. Um, so I'm not... I'm not saying that I have the answers, but I've experienced right. enough times that that it's amazing faith faith builder. So I, I want to side tr- sidetrack a little mm-hmm. bit because um, part of this is we're understanding who God is. It's also a matter of how does the listener and and you and I, how do we get to know God better? Um, and I've not encountered a better way to understand God's heart and His eyes than to be used by him. At the moment that he is loving the person across the table from me, that's when I realize, I I experience who God is. It's not just a, I read it in a book or I heard a story, but it's, I I see that person with his eyes and I start to understand the heart of God. Um, So you talk about that, that moment when we're sitting across from each other right now and listening without an agenda and trying to hear the voice of Christ and what he wants to accomplish in this moment, that doesn't happen just the, t- the moment you sit around. You had to probably do some preparation 
to connect, to learn to connect with God, to hear His voice? I'm, I'm glad you're taking us that direction because I, I wanted to. Um, there's a lot of places in Scripture where God reveals Himself. First um, Timothy five says that God's love language is is uh, obedience. Um, you talk about the five love languages of people. Uh, John fourteen twenty one and twenty three both say if you. He who loves me will obey my commands, and I will love him, my Father will love him, and we will reveal ourselves to him. And then 23 says, The man who loves me will obey my commands and follow my teachings, and we will come and make our home with him. Uh, Seek me with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understandings. Uh, Surrender. Uh, Come to me when you're weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Uh, I grew to find out that the world has everything backwards. Hmm. Uh, I had a man tell me the other day that if 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 there is a God, he would reveal himself hmm. in the heavens and we would all believe, no, that's not God. God doesn't do that. He's God. Right. He's exactly opposite. If if you want to have the love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, are you willing to obey his commands? Are you willing to seek him with all of your heart? Don't lean on your understandings. Do you go go with him when you're weary and burdened? If you're troubled, do you cry out with persistent prayer, with thanksgiving? Mm. Um, Every aspect of Scripture talks about God in a totally different light than what the world expects. And and it's the the idea, I think, a lot of what the world expects is what the world wants from God. That's good. And not ever asking, what does God want from us? And you, uh, you were talking a little bit about obedience, and I think there's the, I think that's a coin, and the other side of obedience is trust, because that's what he's saying. I, from my perspective, is trust me. You know, if you trust me, you'll obey me. Um, but I think, you know, ha- being a parent, I have, I've had kids who have obeyed me without will, trusting me. I will obey you when you give me what I want, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> right, but that part of Trust me. Very and, well said. Um, and I think that's the And piece. what gains trust? Practice trusting. Yeah. You're the one that's in control of whether God reveals himself and to what extent God reveals himself to you. Uh, if there's the things you long for, of course, if it's in his will, he's going to give it to you because there's many places in Scripture that talks about that. Right. But it's misconstrued by the majority of them. It was misconstrued by me. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about surrender and and true uh, submission and the benefits to my life. Yeah. Uh, every aspect of Scripture that talks about promises, and I don't know, there's different numbers that people throw out there, but there's many, many promises in Scripture. Right. Uh, and if you read around the, that promise, you'll find interlaced with the description of that promise, obey my commands, follow my teachings, surrender to me, right. come to me, seek me. Um, and then I will. Yeah. I have a child right now who does not want to seek me. Um, and I'm at that point where I have all kinds of blessings that I would love to to pour on that child. And yet, because we're not in relationship, that child does not get to experience those blessings. Um, and yet, the moment that they would turn and and come back to relationship with me, the floodgates are open. You know, I have all this stored up, literally things in boxes that I want to give to this child. Um, but they're not at that point. And, and I think 
God has revealed a lot of who he is by showing me, you know, as I'm the child in the relationship, by showing me as a parent looking at my children. And so oftentimes, am am I that child who's refusing (laughs) to be in a relationship with God? And because of that, life's hard. There are... There are several things that both of you and I probably, salvation was a big part of it. I mean, salvation is a free gift. I mean, it's based on God's grace and our belief in, in our faith in Christ. But then why then obey? Why then commit? Why then surrender? Why then <laughs> submit? Right. Uh, and it happens to do with life after salvation. Uh, we are children of God based on our faith in Christ and God's grace. Uh, what does that really mean if you're a co-heir to the to the grace of god uh, what does that mean you're not a you're no longer a citizen of this world you are here in this world preparing for your real citizenship in heaven uh, how do you live life then uh, you don't live life in the world you're in the world and you're living life for eternity mm-hmm. um, and a lot of that needs to be hashed out in my mind it was anyway what does it really mean to live for eternity uh, why would I want to live contrary to what the world says is true, especially these days when the world's truth is so far against what God's truth really is? Uh, living in 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 parallel with God's truth means that you're living in opposition to what the world says, well, right? Uh, which leads to to a conflict. It leads to hardship. It leads to hurt feelings. Um, and the biggest thing we're training men now in our EMA studies is how do you shine? How do you actually live in a world that hates Christ or hates the design of what God really wants is true Mm -hmm. in a way where people are drawn to him instead of chased away? I mean, a lot of people now, they they realize it's not true what they're hearing and they respond in a way where it's anguish or it's fear or or it's even hate in some cases. And that does nothing to draw people to Christ. Or they, or they try looking someplace else. Oh, totally. And yeah. and we have a world right now. I feel that's looking, um, desperately for God, and they're looking every place but where God is. I had a friend that had a dear, dear loved one that he was talking to about Jesus, uh, and she was all set in the in the hurts that she had received from Christians in her life, and it had admitted, embedded deeply in her life. Uh, and he just kept talking to her and talking to her about who did Jesus seek? Who did Jesus spend time with? What did Jesus say? How did Jesus respond? Who were the people that Jesus responded, who responded to Jesus? Who were the people that weren't responding to Jesus? What were yeah. they saying? And she finally, finally came to the realization of who Jesus really was and accepted the real Christ Jesus, the love that he shows, the the compassion that he shows, but also the side of him that says, if you want to have a relationship with me, if you want to spend time with me, then it's up to you. Yeah. You have to be the one to seek me and to, to love me. So she did. But it took a long time to get over the hurts that she had received from the Christian community. Right. Because no matter how closely someone walks with God, we're still a broken, fallen, mean. There's still meanness in us. There's still selfish, self-seeking, self-righteous. There's still pride and ego. That's all still there. And at some point, 
we will disturb another person out of who we are. And, and I see so many people who are turned away from that, turned away from Christ, not because of who Christ is, but because who the broken, in this case, the broken Thaddeus is. Yeah. Even our listeners now listening to our conversation right now may construe, uh, do you think you're special? Do you think that you're uh, different than I? And not realize that the experience that we've had in life, we, we were once where they are. Yeah. Um, does that mean you're better than I am? No, it doesn't. I'm still a sinful man. Right. I, I, I just look at the reality of where I'm going and and who I am in Christ. Um, and I want to to love into them. Uh, I'm not going into politics or anything like that. There, there's right now different concepts that are being presented uh, where basically it is, I want to feel this way. I feel this way, and I want to continue feeling this way, and you have no right to tell me that I can't feel this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't have a right to tell you. But I have an obligation to show you what the truth really is. Right. Because... Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control only comes from this truth. Mm-hmm. I know it. It's been proven in history. Oh, we want to erase history so that nobody is caught up in it. Well, right. Um, well, you know and, and I think I think at the same time, I think a lot of us get um, get upset. Um, and, and I use the analogy of of someone in the kitchen who doesn't know that the food's in the refrigerator. But they're looking for food. And when we see that person looking in the silverware drawer, instead of being compassionate and celebrating the fact that they're looking for food, we get mad at them and we separate them out and we condone them, we we criticize them for looking in the silverware drawer. Excellent. Instead of saying, hey, let me show you where the food is. Let me take you to the bread of life. And let me show you how to be fed. Thaddeus, may I use that? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I just, I get frustrated because so many people who, as you mentioned, get upset because they're hurt by what they perceive as Christ or the church or Christians. And it it's not Jesus at all. Yeah. It's It's some of us who are trying to be Christians, trying to be Christ-like, trying to walk with Christ. But, man, I messed up today. And I got frustrated when somebody cut me off in traffic when I was trying to get someplace that I felt was important. And I, you know, maybe I made a gesture or maybe I said some words or, you know. And Christ says, no, pray for him. (laughs) Right, right. And, And I think that person's out to get me when the truth is, they're not giving me a single thought. They're struggling to get to where they think is important. Yeah. Um, and yet when I do that, I then give someone the a brick that they can, um, rather than throw it at me, they can put a brick in a wall that separates them from a loving God who wants the joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the self-control that I so often lack. We... Um... In working with people to guide them into the truth of the loving truth of God, uh, religion seems to be our biggest obstacle. Mm. And, and a lot of people are, are hurt by hearing that or they're surprised in hearing that. But wasn't that what Jesus encountered as well? Mm-hmm. Um, 
the relationships of loving an individual uh, unconditionally, no matter what they're uh, what they're saying, what they're doing, what they're acting, doesn't come natural to mankind. Hmm. Um, but that's what Jesus did. Um, how do we gain the, the strength? How do we gain the, the courage? How do we gain the power to step into that kind of living? It's got to be through a deeper relationship with Christ Jesus. He's right there with me all the time. That's another thing that I found as I'm, as I'm talking on the telephone and, and a question comes up that I'm not ready for. <clears throat> I'll pause and I'll and I'll ask him, you know, what am I supposed to say? Where am I supposed to go with this? I want to help this person. And then all of a sudden, a thought would come to mind. Well, that means he's right there. Um, mm-hmm. When a, when a temptation comes my way, and a and a part of scripture that pertains to that temptation pops up because I memorized it and it's on my heart. It's not the scripture that deflected the temptation. It was the fact that the scripture reminded me that he was right there. Right. I mean, he walks with us all the time. Uh, it's up to us to acknowledge it. It's up to us to turn. I won't tell you about the dream I had. It's up to us to turn to him and say, Ooh, there you are. Help me with this, Lord. Help me with this. I need to get out of this, or I need to have a, a different way of thinking, or I need to respond in a different way. Mm. And he's there. He's there. He's there every time. It's up to me to turn and and seek or ask. Yeah. Or, so. You know, and, and I, I think about that and how, Turning to him, you know, I think there were times where earlier in my life, I would try to turn to him, but would be unsuccessful. And and now that looks and feels different with turning to him now. And I would have what some people might say is far more victories now than I did, you know, where in the past I had far more defeats. Um, do you do you experience something similar to that? Yeah. I, in the dream I was talking about... Um... I was frustrated with 14 different priorities that I had, and four of them were major priorities, and I was fretting. And I was So I was outside my body looking at me sitting at my desk fretting and worrying about all these things that had to be done. And then I noticed that, that Jesus was behind me, um, and he had these things in his hands. And basically there were solutions to the things I was fretting about. Um, and then I, I watched myself as I began to realize where is God? And angry at him that he wasn't helping me out. And then somehow I realized that he was behind me and I got mad. I mm. watched myself get mad. And I got mad because I thought you loved me. Mm. You know what? These, these, these are tearing me apart. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you're standing there. Why aren't you helping me? Mm. Um, and then it was the thought of him speaking to me, sitting in that chair, saying, because you don't come to me. Mm. You haven't you haven't come to me, John. Um, and I did in in the dream. I watched myself sit down, calm myself, and pray. And I woke up, but I woke up with a solution to one of those four major things. Mm. Uh, and I started grooming oh, myself. Hold hold on, because because I, I think the listener will just gloss right over that. You in reality, not in the dream, right. are struggling with all these things. Right. You go to bed. And you have, while you're sleeping, this dream of watching yourself struggling with this. Right. This, you get a third perspective on yourself, not the first person, but to actually see yourself. And you see that interaction with Christ showing you, hey, I got this. I'm right here with all the solutions within arm's reach. 
All you have to do is turn around and come to me. And then once the person that you're watching sees that, your heart changes. All while you're asleep. Exactly. Your heart changes. And one of the problems that you'd had that evening before you went to sleep, you when you woke up, he I had the solution. solution. Yes. Because in your dream, you had changed heart. Instead of saying, you have to do this, you have to help me, God, I need you. And that, I think, for the, for the, for the unaware listener, it sounded like I just said the same thing. You said it better. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, but no, I mean, like, the difference of, like, God, I need you to do this versus, okay, God, I need you to do this. The words are the same, but the attitude yeah. and the meaning is very different. Now, as I went on from that point on, uh, two, two of the four major problems were I was able to learn how to receive help and have them, you know, they're eight hour projects or two day projects, the big ones. And out of the, out of the remainder of the 14, there were about four that weren't necessary, but I had to even get that answer from him. But mm. so I, I started learning how to, first of all, not let all 14 pile on me at the same time. I, would, I started talking to him about individual issues and started listening. And, um, it was a slow process, um, one that I'm still struggling with, but learning from. Can you talk about what that, if, if I was a fly on the wall or a hidden camera and a teddy bear, maybe whatever, whatever modern average, you know, or, or the, or the Google phone or Siri listening to you, what would that look like for you learning to listen to God? What would, what would I see if I'm watching? The external. Well, without giving a plug to Ema, I learned the meditation process embedded in Ema. Where, uh, first of all, I'd ask him what part of Scripture you want him to go to. Sometimes that works, sometimes it not. But he might say, "I want you to go to First Peter," um, or he would even give me a verse sometimes. But sometimes it was just I heard a sermon at church, or I heard a telecast on the radio, and all of a sudden my heart was was piqued. Um, and it said to me, you need to go there. So I would go to that parts of scripture and I learned how to digest. I would usually take a chapter or a half chapter at a time and basically ask the spirit, ask God's spirit, show me what you want me to see. Mm-hmm. I'm going into Ephesians chapter two. So uh, pa- pause right there. So that in the environment around you, are you going to a quiet place or are you going to a busy coffee shop? Yeah, quiet place. I have one at home. And then, of course, my office at work. And sometimes it's the car. Sometimes it's at a park. Um, but it's always someplace where I can totally concentrate. You learn how to quiet your heart. You learn how to quiet your mind. Uh, and it is a skill that you develop. Right. Uh, and then when you are able to concentrate on, totally concentrate on what you're reading, you ask him, I'm going to read this with the intent that you're going to show me mm-hmm. what you want me to see. And then when he does show me the verse or two verses, then I dissect that totally and I have a deep quiet time where I dissect the words, I dissect the phrases, I cross reference, mm-hmm. I rewrite it in my own words and, and really come to a complete understanding. And if it's something that really touched my heart, where I know it's an answer to an issue or a question or a problem, then I will memorize it. But by the time I've meditated that deeply on it, I've memorized it at least 50%. So right. I know a lot of people are afraid of memorization, but remember what the words that are on your heart 
The things that, that Satan is using to tempt you or, or to take you down or to make you feel that God doesn't love you or to have you ask questions about your faith are all answered in some parts of the Bible. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to really ask him, what is it that's, that's making me trip up? What is it that right. I'm having a trouble with? And then find the parts of scripture that pertain to that. I do cr- Google searches sometimes. <laughs> Uh, and then learn how to meditate on it to the point where it becomes embedded in your heart. Once it's in your heart, it pops up when you need it instantly mm-hmm. as you're being threatened or as you're being tempted. And then Christ is there, the realiza- realization that he's right there with you. And he's the one that pushes Satan away. Uh, it's Verse memorization is so key. I was afraid of it when Chris Wadhams first told me that I had to memorize scripture. Hmm. Um, and then as I began to use that, it was the verses that were on my heart that were the solutions to my issues in, in life. And then I began to love memorizing Scripture. Uh, so there's there's a, a part here um, and uh, where we hear about a... You read the verse about Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice and they'll know me. And how the the process where someone goes through of... Well, I got a lot of voices in my head. How do I know which one's Jesus? And I think what you're saying, and, and I'll, I'll kind of throw the, the outline, the bones down, and I'll let you to kind of expand on that. Um, what you're saying is the more I put Scripture into my brain by focused reading and intentional study, I start to recognize Jesus' voice. <laughs> and then when you're sitting there talking across from someone else, and God has a message for them, you recognize what's your words versus what's Christ and the message he has? Well put. If it is if it is contrary at all to the truth, then it isn't from God. Well, how do you know if it's contrary to the truth if you aren't studying the truth? So the more that you're able to absorb, the more you're able to learn the skills of of taking the whole of the whole sixty six books. Mm. And letting the spirit guide you to the parts. Uh, there's a wonderful uh, uh, software right now that guides you through scripture in a year. And it actually has videos embedded in it. Uh, hmm. Read scripture, it's called. Uh, do that and, and ask the spirit to guide you. And, and all of a sudden your heart's peaked up to, to something you're reading and then make a vow with God. Reveal to me what you did, what it is you want, want me to learn. And, and I will do it with you. Uh, right. But then as you, as you get to 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, and they're embedded in your heart, then all the lies that are coming at you, you immediately know that they're lies. Right. Even if they're in your head, um, especially if they're in your head. Because like you said, there's voices in your head all the time. They're either the enemy trying to convince you of something, they're your worldly nature trying to, to tell you something right. or ask you to do something, or it's the Spirit of God. Guiding you, right? And, and or, it's, or it's the things you grew up hearing again and again and again that were taught to you as truth. Right. Um, that even when I, I talk about when I went back and I and I started my journey of this, who is God, and, and reading through this scripture cover to cover with just this simple question of who is God, I realized that I didn't have a complete picture of who He was, even though I'd been doing this for forty some years. Um, by just pulling the different stories out and the different, but by putting it all in context, all together, and seeing the whole picture, I started to get a 
a different perspective. And a lot of things that I thought were true weren't necessarily true. I think that's a lot of the religion versus relationship. I think the ones that are still caught up in the religion of Christianity haven't really dissected that, like you just explained. They don't have enough of the real truth embedded on their heart that they can discern. And they're caught up now in the in the acts of the religion rather than the relationship with Jesus Christ. Not to be derogatory toward anyone or religion in particular. But. Right. So how did you... Um, how did you first, we're going to rewind this a little bit, what did it look like? What were the steps you took to first start to engage in that relationship with God with his written word? Well, remember back when I started first meeting with business owners because I was concerned about them. Uh, when, when, when Christ, when God first started working through me, uh, that was when I first realized that the personal relationship was a reality. In other words... He really is there. Uh, my faith started growing. My minuscule faith started growing at that time. When I went into uh, understanding how to meditate on the truth, how to, how to have a quiet time, how to put the Word of God on your heart, uh, you begin to send, then saying, not only is He here with me, but His Word carries with me and it, and it maintains me. It, it directs me. It guides me. It helps me overcome. It protects me against the things that are that are coming. So it was a gradual year-by-year year process. It actually didn't start until, well, those two men st- continued to work in my life even after 88. But it probably wasn't until I started discipling men, and I wasn't doing it, he was doing it. I was just lucky that the first man, God actually worked through me to help. But... Um, Oh, it's still a process. I really think if if you go on a on a chart of a hundred percent holy, which none of us are, but take Enoch or Elijah who were taken up and didn't have to die, uh, what type of relationship did they have with him that I don't have? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know year after year, it's I did I know I didn't know what I didn't know. So next December, it's going to be the same thing. So right. so every year you're growing in a, in a realization of man, if I'd only known that. Um, so it's a constant, it's an ongoing process. Right. Well, and, and a moment ago, I was kind of impressed with the idea and we didn't share it yet, but when we're asking God, you know, Hey, sh- show me what this, you mean out of the scripture. I'm inclined to think he's going to answer me right away. But I look back and there are times that, you know, Elijah sat by the Creek for months until the Creek ran dry waiting for what God had for him next, waiting for that answer. And sometimes that can be heartbreaking. Have you experienced that? No, no. I think in every aspect, you take all of the, whether it's Joseph or David or Elijah or um, Moses, I mean, all of them, it was almost like, yeah, you have a relationship with me and you're growing pretty well, but now you're stagnating and and I'm going to I'm going to kick you off your rock and, mm-hmm. and uh, put you back into the situation. Well, when I I think during that time, they had they had developed a a, a confidence in themselves, um, and they had to learn then again to say, "Okay, it's yours. Um, I surrender my life fully, and now let's get on with it." Um, and I and I see that all the time with me. 
Um, I have miraculous things happen in my life mm-hmm. every day. But my friends will hear me say often that um, I still try to control my own life. I still try to empower things based on my knowledge or my wisdom. or um, And it's just exasperating. Because it's like hitting your head against a brick wall. Yeah. As, as you were saying that, I'm thinking to myself, how often do I become confident in my relationship with God up to this point? And my confidence is in that, mm-hmm. not in God. And so I start to stray, start to wander away. And then I find myself, man, I haven't opened scripture in three days. What am I, what am I, I haven't sat down to just be still with God and to clear my mind of all the worries of life, all the things that I've got going on, all the people, you know, and, and, uh, every corner of my life, I find I'm serving people in my, in my career. I've got a number of clients that are all waiting on something from me, um, I work in and working with men. It seems like there's always men that need something. Um, and then, and then I go home and, you know, my wife needs to know that she's loved. She needs me to step in. And at some point in time, I start to feel like when, I'm, when God's working in my life and all these needs and all these people are getting met, I start to get confidence in myself that, oh yeah, I finally figured out this relationship with God thing. And then I'm out of it. I have to ask him all the time, what am I thinking about? What am I pondering? What am I desiring more than I'm desiring you? And the, and the, the people that listen to us might say, well, serving other people, I mean, that sounds really good. And we know they're supposed to do that. But what about me? What about the things that I need? What about the things that I want? Uh, and what I didn't realize is that they didn't mean anything the thing that I really gain joy and satisfaction from and, and, a, and a warmth in my heart is when he's working through me into other people. Uh, there's, there's no feeling like it. Yeah. Um, I know that it's frustrating sometimes. It was for me. Um, what about these things that I need? I, I'm tired. I want to I rest. I want to I do things that I enjoy doing. Uh, and then come to realize that, well, everybody, uh, go back in the history. Everybody that Solomon, I mean, he had everything that anybody could ever want. Right. It's all, it's all but a wisp of smoke. It's nothing. The only thing that really brings me joy and satisfaction and that warmth is having God work through me to serve other people. Yeah. There isn't anything like it. So. I, I read a book, um, I don't know, sometime in the 90s. Uh, early 2000s, um, and I think it was called The Language of Love, and he talked about how the language that Jesus used was word pictures and telling stories, and so I've spent a lot of my life looking for that. I'm a visual, um, not an auditory learner. Um, What I've come to realize is that my brain organizes pictures. Um, The downside of that, well, one, that's really good because I can see machines and I know exactly how they're supposed to be working. And if something's not right, I know exactly where to go to fix that. But the downside is people's names are not pictures. And so I oftentimes struggle recalling people's names. But one of the pictures that came to my mind as you were talking about this is it's easy for me to get out and, and serve others 
and, you know, give them water to drink until I'm parched. And I realize that I've been feeding them from the water that's my source. And yet the best thing for me to do is go back to the source of the living water that never runs dry. And that's the one where, man, I can drink and drink and drink and, and, and till I'm full and overflowing. And when I'm doing that, then there's way more water to go around to the people around me. But, and I, I think we oftentimes forget, we get wrapped up in, in being used by God that we forget to go to, the, to go to the well and drink. Absolutely true. There were two times in my life where I've taken a week and just spent it all with him. Um, I, I propose to do one full day a month and a half a day every week, uh, but the business of life comes mm. in and chokes it out. Uh, the one thing that uh, Elijah, when he was when he did the battle with with all of the priests and and the sacrifice on the top of the mountain, and amazing miracle. I mean, mm. anybody that was watching that or experienced that, except for the opposing priests, I don't think they fared too well that day. But after that, he, God had to send him off. You just need to be with me for a while. Jesus, before he started the ministry, 40 days in the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't know that Joseph needed it, but I mean, that from 17 to age 30, in prison most of the time was, I mean, there, there's a time when we have to refresh ourselves with him yeah. in order to be used by him fully. Um, so that's a good point. And I need to do that more, Thaddeus. I long for that time. The last time I took a full week was about 10 years ago. Mm. And it meant so much to me, the rejuvenation. And the, so you do have to take time for yourself. But I don't think time to go out on the beach and lay around and, and absorb the sun. Um, I did I did some work while I was with him. I mean, every day I did some toil. Right. But most of my time was study and prayer and talking with him and realizing he was there and we do need to do that i I find myself um questions are better than answers i grow far more with questions than i do with answers and one of the questions that i've um i've been asking myself um i've been blessed to have three dogs in my life and anybody who ever's come home or been anywhere and had your dog find you see you knows how excited that dog is to find their master. And how, and just to spend time together, man, elated, bouncing off the walls. Mm-hmm. Come play, come play, you know, licking your hand, nuzzling. I had two dogs that, um, well, one specifically, she would come over and I'd be working, and she'd get her nose up under my arm as I'm typing away on the computer. And she'd throw my arm up times so fast and hard at times, I'd slap myself in the face, <laughs> and it hurt. That excitement, if we truly know who God is, truly understand that, why don't we have that level of excitement to spend time with him? Another wonderful analogy. I mean, God says it right in uh, in John 17, that he longs for us to to be in a relationship with Christ as Christ did with his Father. And that all the things that I was able to do through my son, I would do through you. But I think we cut ourselves off from the amazing wonders of God working through us. 
just by our lack of faith, our, our box <laughs> that mm-hmm. we put God in, not seeing the, the wonder and reality of who he really is. Uh, if we looked at him in, in reality, we would be on the ground face down. But we can be aware of his presence at a much higher level than what we are now. And I think he's waiting to do the things that he really wants to do through me until I'm able to expand my understanding of who he is. Um, and I don't know how far along the process I am. Far, far farther than I was 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that I've got so much to learn yet. You know, in, in life we look at mile, we look at age as mile markers. Um, we don't necessarily have those same mile markers in our walk and our intimacy growing continued more and more intimate with, with Christ. Um, I think sometimes that might be nice, but I think maybe we don't. It's like somebody asked me, as, as I've wrestled oftentimes in my struggles, you know, how much of this is supposed to be my efforts and how much is God's? Because God wants us to show up. And I, and I say that he oftentimes, I, I think there is no clear answer to how much is my efforts and how much should I depend on God because God doesn't want us to have an answer. He doesn't, he doesn't give us that answer because that's not what he's concerned about. He's concerned about not how much we do and how much we trust him. He's concerned about, I just want to spend time with you. And so the answer is ever changing because if you don't know the answer to that question, you're going to come spend time with me. And that's what he cares about. A good, uh, uh, stick that I use to measure um, where I'm at at the moment. Um, the reality of his presence is something that is obvious when he's working through you. Uh, my biggest fear is that he, he created me with a, with a particular gift and with particular spiritual understanding, and he wove me in my mother's womb for a particular reason. He has a purpose for every believer, every person that he's claimed as his child. Uh, in his overall agenda. Um, and there, and the fact that there are many times when he puts something in front of me, I call them divine appointments, and I was too busy, or I didn't turn, or, and, and he said, John, I'm gonna have to go and, and use this over here, or I'm gonna have to wait and use you at a different time, or, hmm. um, and I'm, and I'm aware that it doesn't, it doesn't, I'm not fearful of that. I'm saddened by that. Mm. But just the thought that Thaddeus Funk, you were created for a particular purpose. You have skills that I've gave, you have given you, and have in a the environmental effects that have been on your life. You've gained knowledge and wisdom based on your hardships, and and I and I long to use you for this purpose. Mm. And and it's gonna and it's gonna change lives and it's gonna be something that will have an internal effect. And I just want you to come and talk to me about it. And and I'm and I'm gonna use you. But if you don't have the faith or if you don't have the the bandwidth or if you don't have the 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 the, the ability to step away from your distractions, then we're not gonna be able to do that, John or Thaddeus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the biggest thing that drives me is knowing that they, they call them crowns that you lay at his feet, um, lay up treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age and take hold of the life that's truly life. Um, the 
the amazing um, wonders that you'll have in eternity. Um, the time, what really is the time with God Himself, mm-hmm. um, will be at a different level based on my willingness to be used by Him in this life. <laughs> and it just drives me. Um, yeah, I hope He gives me another forty years. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, would be. So as uh, we're kind of coming to the end, I just kind of feel like um, we've got some listeners out there, somebody that that has something that they need to hear. Um, I don't know what it is, but it sounds like you've God's got a message on your heart that uh, we will just wrap up today. Like there's something that he's kind of leading you to. Well, you said it a little while ago. His biggest desire is that he spend intimate time with you. Um, he'd just soon it be 24 seven, um, even while you're sleeping. Matter of fact, I struggle with that too, how to go to sleep at night. But the biggest thing is that God Almighty, the creator of this universe, who is able to create everything in existence out of the power of himself, out of the words of his mouth, that God, that creator, wants to have a precious and intimate time with you all the time Mm. while you're living in preparation for your real life. Your real life is yet to come. Uh, And for me to finally grasp the reality that there's a way that I can live now in this world in preparation for eternity that will make a humongous um, effect on me and all that are in eternity with me. Uh, and it all goes to him. Um, that's probably the biggest thing that I have. He's real. He's there. He wants to work with me, through me, and and utilize my willing heart uh, every minute that I breathe. Um, and and if he doesn't, then I'm the one that chose that. Hmm. You're your own obstacle. Yep. And yet it's that same things that create the obstacle between us and God are the same things that when he points those out to us, that's the brokenness that allows us to surrender to him, to be in that relationship and really start to understand who this amazing creator, lover, God is. And believe it or not, there are people that learned that and are actively involved in that that didn't have to go all the way down to the gutter before they chose to do that. Oh, um, I've seen them, and I'm just not envious. I am not, because I, I love where I'm at with Christ right now. But... Um, you can, listener, you can at whatever point you are in life right now, mm. you can choose to to take off the blinders that the world, uh, Lonnie calls it a grid that's in front of everyone's eyes, that the world has placed there based on their experiences. You can choose to remove that grid that's in front of your eyes and see who God really is and accept him. Uh, it does cause you to submit Mm-hmm. Because he is God. Right. And to surrender. But that submission and surrender is the most blessed thing that you can experience in life. Um, because this is a God who knows he created us. He knows 
what's best for us and wants that for us if we could just let go of the things that are only half best for us. And no matter what obstacle is in your mind right now that's causing you to say, I don't think I want to do that or I'm not sure I want to do that, uh, that obstacle is being placed in front of you by a very powerful enemy that is in the spiritual realm as well. And you just have to make a choice. The things that you're now believing that are causing you to feel good or that are appeasing your senses are not real joy, real glad, real hope, real peace, real love. Um, they're not, I, they're I, not everlasting right. because they only fill that need for a short time. And if they're only filling the need for a short time, that's evidence that it's not real. And there is two sides. There's there's something that you can enjoy before eternity too. Mm-hmm. It says, "Command to do good, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share." In this way, they'll lay up treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age. But they can also take hold of life that's truly life. So by living in that command to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share, you can live. You can take hold of the life that's truly life here, as well as lay up treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age. The abundant it's your life. choice, yeah, right. The abundant life, I, and uh, who I think about how God says He'll give us the desires of our heart. But as I've grown closer to Him, I've found as I've almost like unwrapping a gift, as I've torn away the layers on the outside that I th- of things that I thought I desired, and I've gotten deeper down into my heart. I find the things that I truly desire, and yeah. those are things he he is desperate to give to me if I'd only yeah. be willing to accept him. Those things I didn't want to give up were meaningless, and I just didn't know it. The, the real joy uh, was found in life with Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't realize it. Uh, one thing that comes to my mind, one of these verses that comes to my mind that really helps me out, especially in nowadays with the lies, uh, it says, don't become involved in foolish and stupid arguments because you know that it leads to quarrels. And God's children must not quarrel. And those that oppose them, they must gently instruct in hopes that God will grant them repentance and lead them to a knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. And that they'll come to their senses and escape from the trap of the enemy who's taken them captive to do his will. Um, the Bible is so real when you, when you get down into it and explaining what are you going through? What is real? What is not real? And what do you do? Um, I don't get involved in foolish and stupid arguments because it's going to chase people away from Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how ridiculous can I be? I mean, um, there's a lot of scripture that really helps in life. But. And that relationship and learning to walk with God and and have our eyes open to what the truth is, having that screen removed has been an amazing journey in your life. Yeah, the grid. The grid's still there. I, I, there's veils that come down. Yeah. If I decide to think a certain way or, or not to do something I'm supposed to do or everything that's counter to what God really wants for my life, there's a veil that comes down between us. And gradually as those sheer veils pile up throughout the day, when I'm, when I'm t- not turning him to and spending time with him to remove the veils that have come, then all of a sudden he's hard to see. Mm. He's, he's hard to feel. Uh, I've just let too much of the world come in between us to sit down and remove those veils because he promises that he will take them away if we ask him and mean what we ask. 
uh, is the most refreshing thing in life. That's it's like coming in out of a hundred and five degree day and taking a shower or <laughs> um, the tea plunge. The tea plunge. If I can, <laughs> can date ourselves, yeah. well, That's not a good analogy. You have go ahead. Thank you, thank you, John, for coming. Um, I think pleasure. you've helped me get a bigger, a little bigger and better view of who God is. Um, it's been a joy, kind of hearing how He's worked in your life and how He's worked in others' lives through you because of the way he worked in your life. Um, and I hope the listeners picked up yeah. a, a little on that and, today. And, and if you have any questions, then contact Thaddeus Funk. <laughs> <laughs> I am not the sage that many think I uh, think I am. But uh, thank you, John, for joining uh, us on the Who is God podcast. Um, my pleasure. And, and thank the listener for uh, for following along. If you are curious about who God is, please continue to listen and Start your own journey following and pursuing God. If you do chase after him with your heart, there'll be some veils you have to shut, shut her out of the way, shove out of the way, shove out of the way. Must be getting late in the day. Um, but he'll, he'll reveal himself because he wants that relationship and he wants you to come to a better understanding, a bigger understanding of who God is. And so thanks for joining us. Until next time. You've been listening to the Who is God podcast. Join the discussion on Facebook or Instagram. This podcast has been brought to you by Tacklebox Studios. Tacklebox Studios is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. This podcast has been made possible by generous support from individuals like you. Have you found this meaningful? Please let us know. Donations can be mailed to Tackle Box Studios, 285 South 68th Street Place, Suite 320, Lincoln, Nebraska, 68510.